Welcome to this edition of UCLA Anderson Forecast Direct Podcast. I'm Jun Li. I'm an economist at UCLA Anderson Forecast. Uh, I'm so excited to have Jesse Gorovich with us today. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jesse is a postdoctoral fellow on the economics team at the Environmental Defense Fund. His research examines the economic impacts of climate change on households and communities across the United States and how property owners, private companies, and public institutions adapt to climate risk. He recently published a paper with his co-authors about climate risk and uh, the potential consequences of overvaluation uh, in the US housing market. And this paper is published in Nature Climate Change. Uh, Jesse, could you talk about the motivation and uh, give us a quick summary of your paper? Sure. Um, so as we've seen over uh, recent months and recent years, uh, damages from flooding are becoming increasingly frequent and severe. Uh, there's been a lot of economic literature looking at the extent to which these flood losses are capitalized in home values. But with this increasing risk, uh, there's been growing concern that home values are not fully pricing in the costs associated with exposure to flood risk. Um, and there are a couple of potential issues uh, associated with this mispricing. Um, by not fully capitalizing these costs, um, that cre create perverse incentives for continued development and rebuilding in high-risk areas. Um, it can also disincentivize uh, local and household-level investment in flood mitigation activities. Um, so with this paper, what we set out to do is to better understand both the magnitude and distribution of unpriced flood risk in the U.S. housing market. I see. So how did you estimate the magnitude of property overvaluation in your paper? There are a couple of different methodological steps to our analysis. Um, the first of which is estimating the extent to which flood risk is already priced into home values. Um, so for this, we applied a repeat sales hedonic price model um, to estimate that capitalization effect. Um, and so to do that, we looked at the sale of properties uh, before and after they were remapped into FEMA's uh, special flood hazard area, or in other words, um, the area that has at least a 1% annual probability of flooding. Um, and so with that model, we were able to control for time invariant characteristics of properties, um, as well as local temporal trends in the housing market. Um, and so really what we're, we're estimating here is, is that effect of remapping into the flood zone on home values. Um, we differentiate that effect, um, at the county level. Um, so we look at the effect of the presence or absence of flood risk disclosure laws. Um, so in other words, what a seller or a seller's agent 
is required to disclose to a potential buyer about a property's risk. Uh, we also differentiate that effect based on surveyed perceptions um, or attitudes about climate risk. Um, and so what we find there is that in areas with disclosure laws and where there's greater concern about climate change, properties within those counties tend to capitalize flood risk uh, more efficiently than in counties without those disclosure laws or where there's lower um, or less concern about climate impacts. And then in a separate aspect of the analysis, um, we estimate what we call the efficient price of flood zone properties. Um, so for all properties that are exposed to flood risk, um, not just that are those that are located in the special flood hazard area, we estimate what we call a risk-free market value. Um, so in other words, the market value of a property in the absence of its exposure to flood risk. Um, so that essentially removes the uh, estimated capitalization that we um, estimate using the hedonic approach. Um, and then from that risk-free market value, we subtract the net present value of estimated average annual losses to that property, um, which we derive from the First Street Foundation, which is a climate risk analytics provider. Um, so overvaluation for a given property is simply the difference between its efficient price and its current uh, fair market value. I see. Thank you so much for the explanation. Uh, so what is your estimate for property overvalu overvaluation? Can you give us some numbers like uh, in terms of US dollars? So in aggregate terms, we estimate that uh, overvaluation in the housing market due to unpriced flood risk ranges from about 120 to 240 billion, uh, depending on the applied discount rate. Uh, using our uh, preferred discount rate in the paper, a 3% discount rate, we estimate that total overvaluation is approximately 187 billion. Yeah, that's a lot. So in your paper, you also showed uh, the geographic hotspots for where there is high property overvaluation on different maps. Uh, so could you talk about where these hotspots are and the factors that drive them? So the geographic hotspots for overvaluation really depend on the metric that you use to evaluate overvaluation uh, in a given county. So when you're evaluating overvaluation in dollar terms, the places that emerge are um, essentially high value, high amenity coastal areas. So think coastal Florida, um, parts of coastal New York and New Jersey, as well as parts of coastal Florida. Um, and so what you're seeing there is um, very high flood risk, of course, but also it's very much being driven by both um, high density of properties, as well as uh, high average property values. When you use alternative metrics to evaluate overvaluation that are more agnostic to uh, housing density or housing value, you tend to see these areas emerge that we typically don't associate as much with really high flood risk. Um, so those areas include Appalachia, 
um, in northern New England. Um, and I think a big piece of what's driving that is um, there is, in fact, a high pluvial and fluvial flood risk in many of these areas. Also, FEMA's flood maps tend to be relatively out of date in those areas. And so many properties that are, in fact, exposed to relatively high flood risk are not necessarily mapped within FEMA's special flood hazard area. Um, and at least in our main results, we assume that any properties outside of the special flood hazard area are not capitalizing flood risk. I see. That makes sense. So, um, okay, you identify places where the cost of flood risk is now fully capitalized into housing prices. Uh, now, what are the potential consequences for uh, homeowners and how does that affect local government? So in the paper, uh, we look at a few different consequences of uh, if this flood risk were fully priced into home values. And if that were to occur, that could have very negative impacts on current homeowners within uh, flood zones. It could also negatively impact uh, local governments that are highly dependent on property taxes for revenue. Um, so in our analysis, we look at the distribution of overvaluation by household median income. And what we find is that overvaluation tends to be more widespread in low and uh, low in low income census tracts. So if that price deflation were to occur, those homeowners would be at risk of uh, losing home equity um, for and for many of those households, that comprises a very large share of their total wealth. Um, for local governments, uh, if this price deflation were to occur, that could affect the assessed values of these properties that are exposed to flood risk. Um, and that in turn could lead to a decrease in property tax revenues on which these local governments um, tend to rely heavily. I see. So, uh, so is there any policies or mortgage lending practices that could lead to greater capitalization of flood risk into home values? There's definitely a, a couple of different uh, potential changes in state and federal policy, as well as mortgage lending practices that could lead to greater capitalization of flood risk in housing markets. Um, those include information-based interventions, such as state-level disclosure laws, uh, as I discussed earlier. Um, that could also include um, updates to FEMA's flood maps, um, as well as potential changes to the federal mandate to carry flood insurance on federally-backed mortgages. There are also price-based interventions that could lead to greater capitalization. Um, so those could include risk-based or more actuarial-based uh, flood insurance pricing, which is starting to occur under FEMA's new pricing model uh, called Risk Rating 2.0. And so by charging these more risk-based rates, that could certainly have a negative impact on home values. Also to date, um, mortgage lenders have not differentiated lending practices 
in a way that accounts for the credit risk associated with exposure to flooding. However, that could change in the future such that that credit risk is then transferred back to borrowers. Um, and that could in effect negatively impact home values as well. I see. So in your paper, you also discussed that there might be a trade-off between mitigating the climate risk and because it have ne negative consequences for property owners and the local government. So how, uh, what's your view for the trade-off? So in the paper, we present uh, a few different scenarios for what the future of flood risk pricing might look like. And with those scenarios, we really identify this tension or trade-off between the socialization of exposure to flood risk among American taxpayers and the internalization of those costs among property owners uh, that reside within these high-risk areas. And so on the one hand, if flood risk remains uh, inefficiently priced in housing markets, that creates these uh, perverse incentives for continued rebuilding in flood zones um, and may also discourage investments in hazard mitigation. Um, and so in the long term, those types of incentives have the potential to only further increase the cost of flooding. On the flip side, as we discussed, fully incorporating the costs of flooding into home values can negatively impact uh, homeowners and local governments. And so I think in, in designing policies and management strategies that have the potential to affect this capitalization of flood risk, mm -hmm. there needs to be, I think, um, a moral consideration of, of who bears the costs of climate change, whether that be American taxpayers generally, or whether that is the households and communities that are currently located in these high-risk areas. And in making that decision, there are going to be uh, both short and long-term economic trade-offs with a range of distributional impacts. Okay, so uh, uh, thank you so much for discussing your paper about climate risk and housing market with us today. Uh, we are so glad to have you here and thank you so much uh, again for being here today. And that's it for today's UCLA Anderson Forecast Direct podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for having me, it was a pleasure.